Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're listening to the Fish Untamed Podcast, your home for fly fishing the backcountry. This is episode 69 with Yelma Campbell on Telling the Fly Fishing Story. Yeah, I usually just start off with a bit of a background on how you got into fishing. So I'd love to hear how you got into fishing and then uh, specifically fly fishing, if that didn't you know, happen at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I've always been, I mean, I was born in Trinidad, so um, my dad always took me to the water, you know, to the water, uh, to different waterways, to the river to show me the little Cayman crocodile, uh, sorry, Cayman alligators. He would, uh, you know, just basically keep me outdoors. So I've always had this, you know, outdoorsy kind of um, mindset, even as a young kid. But I never fished until I moved to Canada. I moved to Canada when I was about six. So, um, but luckily when we moved, you know, we were, you know, we were right beside the Credit River. So, and that got me into sort of, you know, just spin fishing, um, always being, always being on the river uh, during the weekends or in the evenings after school. So I just took to it really naturally. Um, and I really got into it. You know, I, I was one of those kids that would watch Bill dance outdoors, Roland Martin, yep. Bob Azumi, you know, um, just to name a few. And I just, lo- I loved uh, how how those gentlemen would fish for largemouth bass. And I've always had, I'm gonna go to Texas to catch a huge largemouth and, you know, one day be a part of that scene. And I just, I just, I don't know, there's something about Sunday morning fishing shows that just, you know, really caught my eye, caught my attention. So. I've just been fishing, you know, my whole life, but fly fishing, I mean, I never really, I mean, I saw it, 
And I always thought, you know, obviously it's a challenging looking thing and I never really got into it. Never um, dabbled, never really researched up until about, you know, six, I think it's six years ago, just before I met Mitch. Um, I just woke up one morning and it really was this. I just woke up on, and I think it was a Wednesday. And, you know, it's weird to call the day out because it's such a specific thing, but I just woke up and uh, I said, I wanted to fly fish. This is the weirdest thing. I'm like, I want to try fly fishing. It's like, it's like, I just wanted to do something new or something different. Um, I guess from the mundane sort of, uh, you know, nine to five work that I've been doing at, at, at an ad agency at the time. It wasn't nine to five. It was more like nine to nine. <laughs> Yikes. Um, yeah. And I think that's really what it was. It's working so, so much that I just needed something different. I stopped playing soccer. Um, I started doing things. So I just tried, you know, I called up Murray's fly fishing school a couple of days after that. And, uh, you know, he taught me how to cast. And then from there, I mean, the rest was history, really. So I'm pretty, pretty new to the whole fly fishing game. Yeah, I don't think I realized that you had picked it up mm-hmm. so recently. I think it kind of rings a bell now. Maybe you've mentioned it on your show. Um that it, it sounds familiar at this point, but I, I guess I thought that you had done it for a lot longer than that. Uh, yeah. You're just so seamless with the rest of the guys that it just sounds like you've yeah. ever, ever. <laughs> That's because I just let Mitch do most of the talking, so <laughs> I sound smarter than I'm, or more knowledgeable than I should be. Yeah, um, a bunch of questions about what you said there, though. What what prompted the move from uh, Trinidad to Canada? Normally, I'm not really asking about, like why people moved around as a kid, but that seems like a, a bigger move than most. Yeah, um, I don't think there was, I think, I think my parents just felt, I mean, Trinidad, I mean, it's a Commonwealth country and the educational system is amazing. So it's not about that. It's where a lot of people do move to Canada. I think it, my dad felt there was more opportunity for me to grow, you know, being in a bigger pond uh, than something like Trinidad. Um, and I think he just wanted that for for myself and my sister and my brother. Um and yeah, and then we, and I, I, he was right. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah, that was the biggest move. I mean, I, I've been back a few times, a lot, quite a bit, and I've actually got a couple job offers to work in the ad agency in Trinidad. And I just, you know, I don't know if I could, as much as I, I, I love Trinidad and I love being there and amongst my family, I don't know if I could work there. I think I would just get bored. I love the really? fact that I know something about Canada just feels a little bit more free in terms of my design, um, my design career. Have you done uh, any fishing since you've gone back to visit? Have you done any like saltwater while you're there or anything? Uh, yes. So Aldo and I went to Tobago and we, um, we fished for, well, we were targeting permit mostly, uh, but we, we fished for tarpon permit and uh, bonefish there. So there's a little beach called, um, well, area called Pigeon Point and it's a strip of uh strip of beach that you can fish for permit that's about I would say it's about a quarter mile even a little bit longer and you can just go back and forth down this strip and you see tailing uh permit and bonefish all the time uh it sounds fun I haven't gotten to do the salt water yet but um I'm I've heard that like once you do it you just get sucked in and I feel like I know that for myself like if it ever happens that I'm just going to be dying to go back as soon as possible Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it's just so warm and just, it's such a comfortable sti- type of fishing, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Are you, uh, are, would you consider yourself like a pretty avid saltwater angler at this point? Like is, is Canada what's keeping you there? Cause you kind of like that, uh, like you said, like a bigger pond 
but are you are you more of a fan of freshwater fishing too or if you had your choice would you live in canada and still be able to you know saltwater fish there just like plop a plop a <laughs> tropical ocean right next to it and target the, yeah. the permit and stuff all the time oh if that, if that was the case uh if that was the case uh no i think it's 50 50 really i like okay. it both yeah i like it, like it both equally i i would say i mean i think my double haul is pretty strong and i think i can hit distances and i can cut through the wind so um i think you know i'm pretty comfortable with saltwater but I, I still need more experience. You know what I mean? You know yeah. what I mean? I just, uh, but I think there's something about freshwater, you know, as soon as trout season hits in, in, in Ontario, that it's just such a, you know, the smell is different. The air is different. And it's just so exciting. And I think if I just saltwater fish for my whole life, I'll just miss that. So I'd have to say 50, 50 for sure. So are you mostly a trout guy? Yeah, I think, yeah. Um, I've been spoiled catching some, you know, uh, pretty big brookies and browns in in this part of Canada, and uh, yeah, safe to say that I I would I would consider myself a trout guy. But at the same time, I have a soft spot for pike. Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think when I first started uh, fly fishing, um, I loved small smallmouth. Uh, I just feel like there's such acrobats in the water, and um, that was the biggest. I mean, that was my my fave. But then now, since I've been, you know targeting so many different species of freshwater it's between it's between the browns and uh, a pike for for tie neck and neck for my favorite freshwater <laughs> at the moment <laughs> what about those species uh really gets you excited for pike it is uh it's that it's that aggressive surprise of a hit um would be would be pike i just it, it's it's funny I could be stripping and then all of a sudden there's this big, just aggressive hit that just gets me every time. And I'm just so unaware and I get scared every time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I definitely think that's, um, that's white pike. And then for trout, I think it's the, I think it's the, it's everything about fishing for trout in terms of like where to, where you go for trout. It's the, it's the babbling brooks. It's the soft, you know, slow, fresh, clean smelling rivers. It's, you know, um, the type of flies, the, 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 um, um, attention to detail when you're fishing, especially when you're dry fishing for trout that is needed, especially in a, a river that's heavily populated with, with anglers. Mm-hmm. They're just so used, used to fishermen. It's just such a, it's such a challenging thing. And then when you catch one, it's just that much more rewarding, I think. Yeah. I guess I yeah. would classify brown trout uh, in the trout world as being probably the closest to pike. Is that why you kind of favor mm. them having that kind of more aggressive, like you, you think of them chasing streamers more so than like gently sli- yeah. sipping dry flies. <laughs> uh, but it also seems like you kind of like that uh, other side of trout fishing, which is the, you know, delicate dry fly, the beautiful mm. presentation, the gentle sip on the surface. So uh, I don't know. It sounds like you kind of like the whole the whole package on trout. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. Uh, that's you connected those dots really nicely. Yeah, I'd say that you're pretty correct. I, uh, funny enough, this year that passed or that's almost finished is uh, I really uh, I didn't dry fly, fly fish at all. It was just streamers. Because oh, really? Because of, of that that same excitement. Because you know, I'm like, okay, well, 
been nymphing the year before and you know i matched the hatch a couple of years back and you know i'm not done but this year i'm really gonna hone in on um using a streamer so that's what i did i got a nice sage six weight and i went out to the river and caught a lot of browns on that on a big yellow robust streamer nice yeah Yeah. (laughs) so are you are you the type to kind of pick a technique like that and really work on it because i find that I always tell myself I'm going to do this. I'm like, okay, I'm going to work on like swinging wet flies. Or I'm going to work on streamers. And I get out there and I see one rise and I just like throw that out the window immediately and just go straight to dry fly fishing because that's my favorite. Um, but I, I sometimes wish I were more inclined to actually follow through with my plans of like, okay, I'm not going to put on anything but a fill in the blank today. Being a newer angler, do you are you able to commit yourself to like a specific technique? Yeah, yeah. I have, the, I have that sort of, brain or that discipline to kind of uh just yeah keep at it until 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 i'm satisfied with that technique yeah <laughs> i think the only thing that i may ch- change a little bit more frequently is just you know if i'm if, if a fly isn't working for a specific reason if i feel like like it's not i'm not i don't have confidence in it then i'll switch it up a little bit more frequently but in terms of like the style yeah i just like you know i did not dry fly fish once this year for trout it was only streamers so yeah do you feel like you made (laughs) a lot of progress in that year like do you feel like you went in with a mild understanding of streamer fishing and you came out really feeling solid on it or do you still feel like it's a lot of luck like how, how do you feel that that went dedicating yourself to it like that um i actually did feel like i um that i learned something that because if I didn't dedicate the time, I, and it's a specific to one river, really. Um, it is, yes, it is. There's a, there is luck, obviously, when it comes to this, mm-hmm. because you know. But to kind of hone in on a specific technique, because you know, if a brown isn't hungry, if you're, if you hit, hit him on the head with that streamer at the right time, the right twitch, he's gonna get angry and he's gonna be like, "Get out of my house!" and he's gonna hit that fly, so or she. So, <laughs> <Gotta be inclusive>. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, I feel like that technique in particular, um, I did, I did feel like it was, uh, you know, I, I, um, I progressed for lack of a better word. And how did you measure that? Was it just in number of fish caught? Did you notice like, oh, okay, I moved a fish there that normally I wouldn't or, um, like what, what sort of like measurable difference was there from the beginning to the end where you were able to say, like, I'm really proud that, you know, I stuck with it and made such and such happen. Like, was it just number of fish or? Yeah, I, I feel, I feel like, okay. So yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, I think actually, okay. Give me one, one sec, one sec. I, the stove was on and I'm back. <laughs> the random Yilma is back. That's... Okay. Uh, okay, hold on. Before you go on, I just have to tell you, yeah. I was listening to a podcast just yesterday, yeah. and they were talking about how they're always worried when they leave their house, they left their <laughs> stove on, but it's never actually happened. And they were they you know they had to cut off the recording because someone had to go check if their stove was on. So this is kind of hilarious that one day yeah. later, <laughs> you actually have the stove on. <laughs> it's funny because like it's a when we were on our little break, that uh, cast iron pot uh, I used it yesterday to cook something, and I, I um. 
kind of de- like seasoning it again. Uh-huh. And I, you know, and to do that, I have to put a little bit of heat on, let that olive oil kind of sit in. And I just put it on for a second. I just forgot that I had it on. So I had to <laughs> <laughs> never a dull moment, I guess, when I'm on <laughs> podcast, you know, it's always funny. I am the comic relief. So that's good. <laughs> Um, okay, yeah. So, sorry. Repeat that question one more time. And um, oh, I was just asking how how you measure your success in this case. Like, what were you able to see from the beginning of the year to the end of the year? Um, I guess I'd also throw out like maybe you were just you know you felt more confident. Maybe you felt more confident in casting. You actually had confidence in your fly. Uh, so, like, how did you measure that success? Um, I think reading, pulling out. I think for me, it was pulling out uh, fish in places that I didn't think would carry fish. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. So, and I guess it comes down to like reading the the river a little bit better and going Mm -hmm. up and down it more and more. And so I had a, I had the person who taught me the most out of fishing, you know, fishing for these Browns with streamers was Josh on the fly. He's, he's another avid fly angler that we hang out with. Um, And he took me up and down, uh, you know, the river, quite a bit this year and having him by my side kind of helped with my confidence in order to like uh, know or possibly know where those fish are kind of holding. And if he wasn't there, yeah, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have uh, hit those holes. I wouldn't have hit those pockets Hmm. or those log jams. And um, yeah. And then because of that, the, the success rate was went up this year quite a bit. (laughs) That's a really interesting point. Um, and I'm just thinking of my own fishing. There's times where I, I feel like I should fish every part of the river because, at the end of the day, there are fish throughout the river. They're not only in the places that look the best. Like there, there could be fish in mediocre water. But I always mm-hmm. am trying to weigh the pros and cons of like, do I really hit every part of the river? Thinking that way, I know I, I touched everything that I could. Or do I spend my time in the places that seem like the biggest bang for their buck? Like, should I really mm-hmm. cast into this water that looks eh, when I could keep walking and maybe find a good pocket. Uh, and I never really know. It kind of depends on the day, like which one I choose to do. But it sounds like you've kind of started to pick apart those seemingly mediocre spots. Maybe they weren't, maybe you just didn't know they were good. Uh, maybe they were good spots and you just weren't aware of it. But uh, have you noticed that? Have you noticed yourself not passing up water before yeah. or water now that you would have before? Just saying like, ah, I doubt it. Yeah, exactly. Huh. 100%. So, and I, and that is, and funny, you, you, you know, funny you hit this because that's exactly my mentality this year. I, you know, I, for example, I was up the, you know, on the credit the other day or not the other day, just before child season closed. And I was with Adis, another one of uh, my buddies that I fish with. And I'm like, right there, that's got it. It's got to be brown there. And I would never have pointed to that spot if I didn't have this year of um, focusing on those, that, that those that certain type of water, you know what I mean? So I was able to really just see like, oh, that's, you know, and that could possibly have a brown. And you know what? You know, sometimes there was, and sometimes I wouldn't catch and I would just move a fish. And uh-huh. honestly, moving a moving a brown in that water is success in itself. Well, it sounds like your mindset also isn't just, I should try to hit this water because there might be a fish. Like you actually are seeing this water and saying, I bet there's a fish there. Which I feel yeah. like is different from how my mindset has been in a lot of these situations, which is give it a try. You're like, you never know. But I'm not right. usually thinking like there's there's got to be a fish there. And it sounds like you've kind of shifted a little yeah. bit your perspective <laughs> on, you know, that mediocre water. Like might not be that mediocre. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just, yeah. And, and if I, yeah, I, I say that a lot and I say that with the, the, the team a lot, you know, there's gotta be fish there and there usually is. And, you know, they're just they're so camouflaged, you know, they're so, they're, they're in, you know, six inches of water sometimes and you're just, <laughs> what is happening, you know, and, <laughs> and with the naked eye, you'll never know unless you try. So, yeah. Uh, so do you have another technique in the hopper now that you're like, okay, I've got stream, like I've done my year of streamers, paid my dues, and now I want to try something else. And now you're going to lay off streamers for the next year and I don't know, swing wet flies or fishy mergers during that time of the day or what's, what's next? What's next? Um, I don't know if I want to move off streamers just yet just because okay. the success, <laughs> success rate's been pretty good, <laughs> but, um, but I think, I, I think I got, I mean, there's times of the year, as you know, that, um, you know, certain types of, you know, hatches are happening and I kind of miss those. I, I miss those days. I don't really, uh, push myself to go out and fish those days properly and really dive into the, to the science behind it. As, um, I start, you know, when I first started fly fishing, I, I, I really tried to get into that and, you know, my success rate wasn't that great, but that's because I was learning. So I think I need to go back to that eventually, you know, and just really, um, really, uh, capitalize on that sort of skill skill set but for now i think i'm gonna stick to streamers for a little okay. bit <laughs> so are you attracted to the quote-unquote nerdier side of fly fishing the entomology and matching the hatch or are you more of a like i just want to catch fish and i'll do what i need to to like learn the basics but i don't like some people just really really love diving into like every different species of mayfly and stuff like that and a lot of people are just like i want to know my mayflies roughly but as long as i'm catching mm-hmm. fish i don't need to know the scientific name of all the all the bugs i'm using well, yeah, I, I, I guess I never really thought about it, but um, I'm not, I'm not as, um, not as detailed as Aldo. So all those, the, the other, the other crew member that you're going to be speaking to next week, he's really in, into, the, he and Mitch are very much into the science or the, the nerding out, as you, I would like to call it. Um, I personally don't see myself at the moment being um excited about it as much as they are but that's and i think that's only because i'm still a knob a novice you know i i I consider myself pretty good because of how much i fish during those six seven years Mm -hmm. but um i think eventually i think this is something that's going to happen because you know i'm going to start tying more and i'm going to want to sort of hone in on specific skills i think at this moment though i'm enjoying just being outdoors i think yeah yeah. I think that's kind so, of a natural progression for a lot of people. It's like you want to catch mm-hmm. fish, and once you're once you're good enough at catching fish, you kind of look for something else. And I actually have an episode coming up about the progression of like wanting to catch fish to wanting to catch a lot of fish and big fish and stuff like that. But there's also yeah. a level of I want to expand my knowledge in some way. I can catch fish now. I want to tie flies, or I want to build rods. And I feel like this mm-hmm. is another one of those where it's like I can already catch fish. How can I still make fly fishing feel engaging? and feel like yes. it's you know something new and I'm learning cuz there's just something about being in that learning space where everything's so exciting everything's such a big milestone and mm-hmm. I feel like when you've been fishing for a couple of years you start to lose that feeling of newness where you kind of feel like I don't know I've I've peaked you know I, I can catch mm-hmm. fish when I go out but that's about <laughs> it uh, so I can, exactly. I can see that happening it's like a natural progression for a lot of people being like all right it's time to time to learn what all these flies are <laughs> yeah exactly and I think my time will come uh, I, I feel that way. I think the people who I hung out with when I first started, 
were so, uh, you know, the introduction to fly fishing that I got, I, I think I was lucky because I was hanging out with a few people that were just exceptionally um, smart and experienced behind this. So, but I didn't take take to it as as much as I as much as I should have at the time because it was just so difficult, yeah. <laughs> you know, and like learning all these. Like, oh my god! But you know, but uh, eventually, for sure, eventually. Yeah. So I want to switch things up and ask you a little bit about your media because I was looking at your website and it seems like um, similar to Mitch, if I understood correctly, like you guys are both, you have a media background both within and outside fly fishing. Um, how'd you, how'd you get into that? I know you said you had a degree kind of in that space, that marketing space, but um, what, what got you into media and what kind of media are you working on these days? Like fly fishing and non-fly fishing related? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, I think, I think, uh, I just naturally, uh, you know, a draw, a drawer, I draw and I, I do perspective right and you know and make babies look like babies and adults look like adults when I draw people <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of um you know, my father was you know uh, I think architecture and I want to be a, a veterinarian and I want to get into architecture those are the only the two things I really want to do in high school but then you know my father just said um you know what if you because he's a marketer and he was he was uh the general manager at Nestle and in, in Trinidad so um he said, what about advertising, you know, and becoming an art director? So I said, hey, that's an interesting, you know, um, path. And yeah, I went to the art school here in um, Ontario called the Ontario College of Art and Design and got my degree in design. Um, And uh, yeah, I just, you know, my first job was as a graphic artist, not even an art director and advertising graphic artist, just to get my feet wet. And then I made my portfolio nice and pretty. And then I went for my first internship at Saatchi and Saatchi, which is a, a global agency. Um, and I just fell in love with art, art direction and coming up with uh, ideas for commercials and ad campaigns. Um, yeah, so that was my introduction to it. And I've always kind of been sort of a visual person. I mean, that's why I like fly fishing. And uh, people always ask me, oh, you're so visual. Why don't you tie? But I mean... Tying is different. <laughs> it, takes, it takes time and, you know, um, and yeah. And then I used that, that skill set, you know, when I met Mitch to design our logo and we both came up with the idea behind it and the look and feel, the colors and, you know, um, and made sure that, you know, our photos were somewhat consistent in terms of quality, that, that even the photos and the writing behind all of our posts has somewhat of a brand recognition so like when you read our posts there's there should be a tone that says oh that must be so fly you know i think all that's sort of important when it comes to branding something i feel like i've noticed that not to cut you off but i feel like i've noticed like i I often will see a picture or and i probably kind of with the caption included and my i will think like oh is this so fly and it often is awesome that's great to hear that's great feedback (laughs) Because, you know, you're a focus group. This is a focus group that we're having right now. This is perfect. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I think I think that's important. So I've just, you know, that's that's sort of my history behind it. And, and Mitch was actually my partner in crime at an ad agency uh, a few years back where he wrote the ads and I made it, made it look visually pleasing. And we both came up with the idea behind the campaign. So that's sort of like our background. 
So are you behind the camera much? Or like the photos I'm seeing, photos that you've taken, or are you more of the creative mind behind all this? Like, do you do you enjoy creating the story more, or are you actually wanting to be behind the lens and getting the the image itself? What, what part of it really draws you in? Or is it the whole thing? Um, it is actually the the uh, the ground level stuff, right? Getting my hands dirty and being behind the camera um, really gets me excited. Um, yeah, I think, you know, when Mitch and Aldo and I come together, the ideas come from, we try to have the ideas come from all three of us in terms of what's next for SoFly in terms of the bigger picture. But then when it comes down to actually, um, making the things happen, Aldo and I usually split the camera work. Um, and then, uh, lately we've been, um, meeting better photographers and better filmmakers than ourselves that have that have been coming with us on these trips and really helping us out so um we although night yeah as much as we still shoot a lot and photographs photograph a lot we do bring with us um other stylized photographers and filmmakers to help bring the story together because they're bringing another eye you know like i think the whole point of SoFly really is to bring everyone together you know um, inclusive of all even talented, different talents and, and experience of designers, photographers, filmmakers, but and also like people who want to get into the to the sport, quote unquote sport. Um, so we like to deal with it that way as well. But yes, to, to, to answer your point, yeah, I love just being at the ground level of things, getting my hands dirty, designing, putting colors together, logos together, filming, you know? And then once that stuff's done, then Mitch and Aldo edit the footage and then uh, I plaster on some beautiful text and copy and hopefully you guys or everyone likes it, <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> now, is this on YouTube mostly? Is that your primary platform for the video stuff? Yes, that's correct. So we started okay. with Vimeo, but we feel YouTube is obviously a way better platform in terms of sharing the content and uh, making uh, a nice, you know, a cohesive channel for ourselves. And I think it hits our target a little bit better than Vimeo did in the past. So yeah, we use YouTube for our videos. Um, and then we use Spotify and Apple Music for our podcast as well. Okay, so yeah, I've, I've actually not really watched many of your videos. I see you guys on Instagram. I listen to your podcast every episode. Um, but I'm not as familiar Thank with you. the video stuff. What kind of, what's your, do you have like a theme around it all? Like, is it going on tr like travel trips? Is it featuring different anglers from around the continent? Like, what what's yeah. what's your theme if you've got one? Or is it just kind of, I don't know, any, any fishy opportunity that comes up, you take it and <laughs> run with it? Yeah, I mean, the theme happens uh, once we, yeah, so once we book a, a job, I hate that word, but anyways, yeah, once we book a, a project, that's a better word. Um, yeah, we tend to think about what this specific region has in store and kind of hone in and come up with an insight to come up with an idea behind it. So it's not, it's not necessarily as random, but like, for instance, you know, I think one of my favorites was Tulum you know, uh, we kind of deconstructed the video into three parts and it was all about the specific fish. So we he heroized the specific fish per video for that. So it's like, this one's about the bonefish, this one's about the, the jack, and this one's about the snook. And and uh, that that was the, th the theme behind it. It was like a place where it was some, uh, a lot of different species. So each video capitalized on one, on one fish. Well, yeah, 
So yeah, it, it depends. I think, and I think we change it each, each time. Uh, the first one we did, the first big one we did was the Attawapiskat trip. And that was called uh, first of many because it was a first, it was a first for all of us. It was a first float plane. It was a flirt, first giant pike, like 45 inch pike for all of us. It was a first, um, you know, Northern, really Northern Ontario experience. So ev- for all of us that were there, all, you know, it was, that was the, the main crux of the idea. First of many. So, so yeah, it just depends for my long winded answer. <laughs> Basically. So like whatever situation you're trying to cover, like that's going to kind of dictate the best format to like how, how you'd arrange that video. Um, Cause it yeah. sounds like in Tulum you're chasing multiple species. So it kind of made sense to break it up that way, but somewhere else it might be the, the local culture around this like tiny area that only, you know, maybe they only fish for one species, but there's this like local heritage that has been passed down or something. And it, it might just not fit the same mold as another trip because it just can't. Exactly. So what, exactly. uh, what's, what are the logistics of doing this on a, on a fishing trip? Cause I could see myself being like, I'll oh, be sick to make a, like a movie about this. But then the whole time I'm like, ah, but I just want to be fishing, you know? Uh, does the camera work ever get in the way or does it, does it enhance the experience? Do you, do you get joy out of having to film or what, what's it like to have that be going on while you're fishing? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I think if you're, if all, you know, for an example, if Aldo, Mitch and I are going out and, um, you know, the first day it's the, you know, it's the first day of, let's say Brennan Harbor, we organize it in such a way it was like, Yoma, you're shooting, you're not fishing today. So then we capture Mitch and Aldo fishing. So the video's on a specific person. And then we switch it up the next day. So that way we still get to fish and we still get to, you know, and, and we're shooting at the same time. Then everybody gets to be involved. So if if we don't bring another photographer or, fil- or filmmaker with us, that's how we kind of divvy it up. And um, yeah, and, and I think it works really well. And no one really minds, you know, Some, sometimes we're tired and, you know, we just want to shoot you know, and then focus on the creative part of it. And we, you know, we don't want to be standing You know, our quads are hurting. We don't be standing the whole time fishing, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah, no one complains. Everybody knows it's quite lovely. Those trips, to be honest, it's quite a really wonderful organized bonding experience between the, the three of us. So, and, and um, yeah, it's worked out so far. It sounds like maybe the fact that you can acknowledge that you're just on camera that day makes it. Yeah easier to not feel the jealousy of fishing because i feel like if you're okay i'm gonna do camera for a little bit but then i'm gonna fish you see them catching fish and you're like okay i really want to be done with this so i can start fishing but if you've already acknowledged that that's just not your mm-hmm. role for the day i feel like it's gotta be a lot easier to disconnect from that and be like it's just it is what it is and then tomorrow i get to enjoy it and not have to feel the stress of like man i really want to put this camera down and take a cast or two yeah exactly <laughs> exactly exactly do you have to be on uh pretty much like full time like I, I assume you are also want to capture you know things that aren't fishing related you know maybe you're camping you want to capture the camp life or whatever like are, when you're on camera duty do you get a lot of downtime or are you is the mindset that you want to be filming all the time to capture the entire experience and you know you don't want to miss something yeah camera's on all the time all the time pretty okay. much. yeah 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 Pretty much, just because anything could happen, you know. And I think, I think, I'll, I think that was a learning experience. In the beginning, yeah, we were missing a few things. Like, oh, we didn't get this. Like, no, all right. Well, let's just keep the camera on next time, and that's it. Yeah. So, if you're the cameraman, yeah, it's better to just keep it on. I remember we were with Jeff Jackson. He's um, a guide down in southern Ontario um, on the Mississippi, 
uh, we were on the Mississippi River, and uh, not the one in the states, but the one up here. <laughs> and um, yeah, he. I remember one time Mitch was. Uh, I was holding the camera now, and Mitch was like, "Listen, we got to capture him saying these things, so just keep the camera on the whole time." And literally, the the record button was the entire drift, and we got every single thing, and we were able to cut what we needed, and it was just that much more successful. Is uh, is there a trip that stands out to you as your favorite fishing, but also the the product you were able to make from it? Your kind of crown jewel of like, this is my. If I could only show one one video to somebody who wants to see like my best work what would what would you point people to or what comes to mind as their favorite trip <laughs> favorite oof. favorite video or favorite trip oh, let's do both <laughs> let's do both uh yeah i still think my favorite trip is the very first one at a wapiskat trip um it's hard to say favorites because there's, there's they're all so special you know um and they all have their own unique sort of thing but i think uh the the atawabska trip was just so uh mind-blowing because of just this scenic the scenic you know um like we saw the northern lights we caught 45 inch pike it was comfortable it wasn't too hot it was too cold it was you know we were the only ones on the on the river in that section there's so many things that just made that trip just unreal um Every trip has their own merits, and every so it's hard to compare because they're such great trips. But I would say, first of many, Atawapiskat trip would be my number one, and video would be Elk Lake Wilderness Resort video. We did, and it was just such a fun day where we just went out and just kept the camera on and had fun, and we just made this made this sort of like just energetic video which i just kind of just loved it was it was just it was, it was just a lot of energy throughout the whole video and it was just every time i someone asks me what do you guys do you know can you show me share a video that's the one i share okay i'll have to yeah. look that one up because your answer for that yeah. one was like right away you know the first one you could tell like, yeah. there's a lot of trips that come to mind but this one you're like but this this is the trip that i know I had the best video so i'll have to check that out yeah yeah absolutely yeah if you see a, if you see a bear in the video that's the one okay <laughs> Okay. Do you uh do you prefer video or podcasting? Video. Really? That was is, a very quick, is, very it, quick answer. Is that just because of the added creativity that you can put into a video versus the limited nature of an audio format, or is there something else that really draws you to the video? Um, I just think yeah, I just love making. I think I love just the visual aspect of video and photos and design. I just gravitate towards just um coming up with the, the really cool angles and the shots a little bit more than I do in terms of the audio. Yeah, I could see video being more of a deliberate creation, whereas podcasting, mm-hmm. at least the style of your show and mine, which is a lot more, I don't want to say reactive, but it's it. there's not a lot of big plan going into it, and there's not a lot of uh, creativity beyond, like, I, I don't do much editing apart from just taking out things that need to be taken out. Uh, I don't, I, I feel like there'd be a different, a different feeling around it if it were something like a This American Life where they've curated mm-hmm. interviews and put it together with music and everything like that becomes, I feel like, closer to the type of video you're creating. Whereas both of our podcasts are more just, it feels like you're sitting around, you know, shooting shit with somebody. And it's just not the same type of creativity, at least. Yeah, it's different, definitely. I think, I, you know, I mean, this is me speaking out of turn, but um, yeah, I feel uh, if I were to say when Mitch gets into the 
to the podcasting and like everything about it, his eyes really shine. He loves the, the, the side of our, our gig for sure. Hmm. And he, yeah, and he's a, well, he's a musician. So sound is like a big thing for him. Right. And playing with all the, you know, the different, um, what do you call it? Um, like the equalizer. Or- Thank you. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> this is why I shoot camera and not, not a uh, audio stuff. Anyways. Yeah. So he, yeah, he, his eyes really, uh, get excited for that so yeah and i think there's a bit of instant gratification when it comes to video as well for me anyways you know as soon as i shoot it i get to just look back at it and it's just like oh yeah that's the shot i wanted yeah well it kind of it's cool that you guys found each other in that you both have the same desire for that create that creative control and uh being able to mm-hmm. express yourselves that way but kind of focusing on two different aspects of it. So you both get to participate in both, but you kind of each shine in a different way. I feel like that's got to be like really, just a really nice like compliment to each other. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I would like to think so. Definitely come, uh, three of us come from different, three different backgrounds and bring that, and we bring something to the table together for sure. Are there any uh, goals to, you know, take your films to the film tour or anything like that? Or have you had any films in the five fishing film tour? We we try, <laughs> we 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 <laughs> we tried like four times, I guess, and we're gonna keep trying. Um, we got an honorable mention at the I four, um, which is really nice. Uh, but yeah, we, we're just gonna keep trying and get, try to get into the yeah. That that'll just make us better and better. Is it just a matter of submitting, and you know they just choose the best ones based on? I mean, I assume it's not just straight up the best ones because they probably also want a good mix. Like they don't want to show, they might get yeah. 20 fantastic trout films, but they're, they're not going to want to just show trout films. They're going to want to show a variety. So um, not to say that you're not good enough to get in, but like it, it might just not be what they're looking for at the time. So is that just kind of keep submitting, keep trying to improve and hoping that at some point you just feel the need that they're looking for that year? Yeah, exactly. Definitely, because it's it. I definitely think that they're not picking based on um, a subjective decision. It's definitely something that they need to and require to to showcase. So yeah, just keep doing it. I mean, at least it, it works out that if if you can't submit or if you don't get chosen for that, it's not like the video goes to waste. Like you can put it out on your own channel and stuff. So it's not it's not a all all for nothing type of venture, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cool. Well, um, we can get wrapped up here. Uh, I know I just talked to Mitch, so he probably shared most of your links. But again, if you want to plug where people can find you, uh, I think he focused mostly on the like the Instagram and the podcast side. So feel free to plug YouTube or wherever else people can find you. Yeah, um, for sure. You can find us um, at SoFlo. Uh, oh my God, what are the plugs? Give me one sec. This is, I don't. I never do the plugs, and you can keep this all in for a, a bunch of laughs. Okay. Perfect. You did say you're the comedic okay, so, relief. <laughs> the comic relief, this guy. Um, yeah, so soulfly.ca. Uh, that's our website. You can find everything um, Soulfly related on that site, including our Instagram and YouTube and Facebook and all our uh, merchandise. It's all on there. Uh, but on Instagram, it's at the Soulfly crew. And I think that's our main sort of hub. Not, not that I think, but I know that it's our main, <laughs> our main hub to check us out. Yeah, cool. I would well, use uh, Mitch, I would use Mitch's plug. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll just insert that here. Yeah, His yeah, voice yeah. changed. Exactly. Well, this yeah. has been a lot of fun, uh, despite the technical issues and the stove being left on. It, mm-hmm. it turned out pretty well. So I just thank you for Absolutely. coming on and uh, look forward to chatting with Aldo and getting his perspective next week. I think that'll be fun to compare everybody. 
amazing. Thank you so much. I'm very honored to be on this on your podcast, and it was great to meet you too. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, don't forget to head over to the website, fishuntamed.com, for all episodes and show notes. And also, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. That'll get my episodes delivered straight to your phone. And also, if you have not yet, please consider going over to Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating or review. That's very helpful for me, and I'd greatly appreciate it. Um, Other than that, thank you guys again for listening, and I will be back in two weeks. Bye, everybody. search for the one they call king but who will take his throne tune in to waypoint tv's battle for silver saturday may 18th from 12 to 6 p.m eastern presented by abyss battery waypoint tv